This is a Brickhouse production. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode one of the House of Bricks podcast. My name is Aaron Brickhouse, and uh, this is episode one. I don't really have a script, but I do have an outline. I did a previous version of this episode uh, without a script. A lot of good ideas, not great on the recording. So here goes round two of this. So as I said, this is the House of Bricks podcast. My name is Aaron Brickhouse. It's a play on the last name. The House of Bricks. And why did I decide to start this? So, it's a number of things. But the reason I decided to start this podcast is mostly because in the last two years, um, COVID-19 hit the world. Uh, It specifically hit here pretty hard in America. And social media has been kind uh, kind of odd. But in the past two years, you get a lot of people entered the social media space. Uh, and they started podcasts. They started podcasts, YouTube channels, all sorts of things. We had so many different opinions, ideas, um, and interactions in the in the digital public square, if anybody is familiar with that concept. For hundreds of years, people have what was called the public square, um, where people would meet up in person to discuss uh, issues, whether that's ideology, politics, culture, whatever it is. The internet and social media specifically has essentially become a digital form of the public square. And you have all these people entering it and uh, bringing their ideas, which I think is great. I think the world needs needs ideas. And that doesn't mean every idea is good, but I think the world needs ideas, good, bad, or indifferent. So that's one of the reasons I started this. Another reason I'm starting this and the goal and the mission of this podcast specifically is to uh, talk about worldview. It's to talk about worldview and discuss ideas Uh, things I feel like need to be discussed because I think especially in the past, I want to say about a good two years, uh, probably even longer than that, I think Americans are really waking up to the fact that worldview matters. Uh, And people are starting to understand that. Worldview, uh, ideas, religion, uh, beliefs, they matter everywhere. They matter in your workplace. They matter in your home. uh, They matter on your commute to work. They matter in your schools. They matter in your churches. They matter uh, when you go out to lunch with your friends. They matter in everything because your worldview and your ideas, uh, your faith, whatever it is, they define how you live your life. And how you live your life has an impact on the world around you. It has an effect on people. It has an effect on your workplace. It has an effect on all of these, these various aspects of our society and culture. So worldview matters. And you can you can think otherwise, but worldview, as I said, affects how to find how you live, and therefore it will have an effect on the world around you, because how you live affects the world around you. It affects your decisions, your thinking, and vice versa. I think even with social media and this this boom of all of these ideas entering the digital public space, and I'm not saying that the digital public space is is perfect. People talk of censorship uh, and gatekeepers, and all of these other agents that, you know, program algorithms and, and create things and only certain things that are produced by certain people really get seen by the masses and you have to work really hard. Some people have to work really hard to get their content or, or their audio or whatever it is. 
they're producing or they're creating really seen by a good number of people. And I, I don't, I'm not saying that's right. Like I said, it's far from perfect. But right now, this is what we have. And what we have is still a good thing, even with all of the bad in it. So, as this is episode one, this is an introductory podcast. In the future, I would like to have topics for these episodes. I don't really have a topic for this episode, so it's going to be more of a summer summary of what got me started in this, what in general this podcast, this show, my mission, my vision for this is going to be about. So we're going to start with tribalism. If you're not familiar with the term, uh, it essentially means that people have separated into into their tribes. Uh, your tribe could be people that share likenesses with you. That could be that could be beliefs. That could be ideology. That could be uh, hobbies. You know, we all have tribes. Human being, beings have had tribes uh, since the beginning of time, and a lot of people like to throw around the word tribalism like it is a bad thing. Tribalism can be a bad thing. Some tribalistic tendencies, ideas, groups, whatever you want to call them, aren't good. Okay? We can all agree on that. But I think having a community of like-minded people who agree with you on many things and live very similar to you, it's important for people's growth. It's important for people uh, in understanding their identity. Uh, and it, it helps shape the way we live and the way we think. And I think... On, on the opposite end of the spectrum, it even helps people, it does help people even further understand their identity when they start to realize that maybe the home that they grew up in or the community they grew up in, uh, they don't necessarily agree with the way that they were raised. That is why it's a good thing. Like-minded people and being in a group that agrees with you is good on many levels. And as I said, to reiterate, doesn't mean all tribalistic tendencies are good, but this is what we have. So... You have a lot of tribalism. You have a lot of tribalism in culture, in politics specifically, uh, which is terrible. Community of like-minded people is good, but I think we tend to uh, fall into these groups and we draw battle lines. I think there's this false dichotomy of the other tribe is bad, they bad, me good, or my group good, or my tribe did something and I identify with that group. And now I'm reconsidering and maybe my tribe bad, their tribe right, whatever it is. I, I, I don't like that dichotomy. I reject it. I don't really think with tribes and sharing in, in that community like-mindedness should really be drawn into this, this black and white dichotomy. And I think all it does, especially in politics, is divide people. And I think over the past couple of years, it's been very, very evident and plain to see. And while I do think we should hear people out, Nothing that has happened in politics and culture with the lack of discussion, we see things on our social media and our Facebook, and, and we see this reactionary clip. We become a very reactionary society. And I'm not going to pull punches when I say this, but people want their political opponents dead specifically because they voted for the other guy. I'm not going to pull punches with that one. And some that may shock some people. Some people will probably think, oh, there's absolutely no way. People literally cheer or wish death upon their opponents they're not nice they're not good none of these things are good and this is an example of negative tribalism tribalism can be good this is not good it is not good when you specifically want your friends or family or your acquaintance or somebody at work dead like 
you would wish harm upon them because they voted for somebody that you didn't like. This is not a good thing. This is actually one of the reasons I started this podcast. We need to discuss these things. And a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, of course we need to discuss these things. But they don't actually discuss them. There's no discussion that, that happens. They would just like to think, we would all love to think that if we were sat down with people that we disagreed with uh, on a very specific issue with, that we'd all be able to have a lovely conversation. Truth is, that's not the way I see it with most people. Because the second that you see people in real life, they either are uh, timid, scared creatures that don't actually know how to formulate the, their ideas or beliefs, or they're just as bad as they are on their social media. And, you know, a lot of people, they talk about keyboard warriors. A lot of people are like that. They're like two dogs barking at each other from behind a fence. But the second you open up that fence, those two dogs, are the, they don't know what to do with each other. They just look at each other. You was real threatening barking from behind that fence when I couldn't do anything to you. But now you show up in real life and neither of you really knows what to do with each other. So with all of that being said and rejecting this dichotomy, we need more discussion. We need more discussion and we need more people who understand what it is they believe. I go to uh, the Bible and in the book of Proverbs, chapter 26, verse 5, it actually says, answer the fool according to his folly or he will be wise in his own eyes. So what does that mean? And that doesn't mean you have to be biblical. That doesn't mean you have to be religious. When a lot of people, Christians especially, they, they think, oh, well, you shouldn't answer somebody if you think they're stupid or they're saying something stupid. I don't think that's what it is. If what a person is saying to you is foolhardy and you know better, answer them in the same manner. And that just might get them to understand that the words that are coming out of their mouth are foolhardy. Because when you respond to them in the same foolhardy manner, it might get them to recognize, oh, is that what I sound like? That may not work on everybody. The way I read the verse is that, but instead of getting caught up in whether the other person's foolish or you're foolish, answer the fool according to his folly, unless you're willing to sit down and talk and have a likewise discussion. If you're yelling at each other, these vain platitudes, painting with this broad brush and labeling each other, uh, without really presenting anything that's going to change the other person's mind, and I'm not saying that anybody can change anybody else's mind. When you have these vain, uh, arrogant labels and, that we throw on people and we put them in boxes, it's just a lazy way of communicating. It's a lazy way of communicating, and it doesn't do a thing for anybody. So here in uh, first world countries, I, I personally live here in the United States, but a lot of people in first world countries, we tend to think of ourselves as, as the most important things on planet Earth as if other places in the world don't have problems and nothing else is happening anywhere else. Um, and regardless of what you may think about a place like America, I would never want to be born anywhere else. I'd never want to live anywhere else aside from America, despite all of its problems. It has brought so much prosperity. But I think the only reason that prosperity like this exists, especially when you look at something like the Constitution um, and you think of the First Amendment, where everybody's essentially allowed to, I mean, in today's day and age, it's essentially everybody's allowed to say what they want within reason. But really, it should be, everybody should be allowed to say what they want. I'm not saying that everything that comes out of everybody's mouth is going to be a wonderful thing, because there are some awful people out there that say awful things and think awful things, and those awful things in their head eventually come out of their mouth and manifest in their lives. 
But I think the reason that the founding fathers and people like them, and, and they, were, they were all intellectuals, they weren't necessarily the greatest people, but uh, them and people like them, the reason that uh, countries like this exist is because these were men that understood what it was that they believed, they understood what it was that they thought, but they were people that were able to put aside their own biases to hear others out. And we don't like to do that. Uh, in today's day and age, we're very, we're very reactionary, and I hate I hate that society has become so reactionary, especially concerning social media. You saw a clip of something happen out of context, or this social media influencer you like said this, or they said this on the television network, and without me going to look up and validate the truth of the matter, uh, I'm just going to take to my Facebook and I'm going to type in all caps and uh, scream about how mad I am about this. Not going to do anything about it, just going to react to it. And then solutions never happen and the world remains the same and nothing ever gets better. So we really need to stop being so reactionary. Now, we react to many problems because there are many problems because we're humans and we're all flawed. And solutions to these problems, and I'm not pretending to be the arbiter of truth here or some genius because I don't know much of anything in the 27 years I've been alive, which is a relatively short period of time and it's a blip in the span of human history. But most problems are not straightforward. Here in America, people don't shut up about healthcare, racism, climate change, poverty, the man in the White House, you name it. Somebody's got an opinion about it, typically. Not all the time, typically. But none of these issues have these straightforward solutions. And you have people on one side of the political spectrum that essentially think that everything is a farce and everything is a hoax. And you have people on the other side of the political spectrum essentially acting like the world is coming to an end if we don't have a solution to this thing in the next 24 hours. Both of those things are wrong. They're totally unrealistic. The two biggest examples I can think of are climate change and racism. And again, not an arbiter of truth on this. Let me say this with some, some prerequisites. You have one side of the political spectrum that is talking about the world is going to burn up in a ball of flames in 12 years time if we don't switch to electric cars tomorrow. Am I exaggerating a little bit? Is that a little bit hyperbolic? Absolutely. But that's essentially what they're saying. I've listened to a couple climatologists talk. I'm not an expert on climate related issues, the weather or anything in the like. But I've listened to a couple climatologists talk about the issue of uh, the climate warming. And not only have I found a single climatologist that agrees with that point, I've never found a climatologist that agrees with another climatologist typically because that's the way science works. Scientists disagree with each other all the time and the only way we do more science and get better science is by people talking and disagreeing with each other and trying to find the next best thing. Now to add to that, there are discussions in the scientific community that are trying to figure out, well, with something like this, are we contributing to it? If people are contributing to it, how much are we contributing to it, uh, to it at all? Is it actually going to be catastrophic? Is there anything we can do about it? Again, nuance. There's gray here. It's not black and white. And so to transition, you have the polar opposite of the political spectrum. Climate change is a hoax. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on there, sunshine. It's a hoax? It's a hoax because celebrities are buying beachside real estate? Obviously, if you have people preaching about climate change and they're flying around in private jets, it's kind of stupid. It's clearly hypocritical. And you have celebrities or politicians talking about how we need to do something about the greatest threat to mankind, which is climate change. And they're buying beachside real estate, even though it's implied that the oceans would rise up and then destroy that beachside real estate. Yeah, that, that seems kind of hypocritical. I can see why people would think it's a hoax. Is it a hoax? Mm, I wouldn't go that far to say that there's nothing there. 
another issue, and again, I say this with pure because it is is something like racism. You have one side of the political spectrum. Racism is is everywhere. It is ever present. Everybody, in some degree, is racist or uh, racist or misogynistic or culturally appropriating or or whatever else. And everybody is a victim except for certain groups of people, which are perpetrated. It just separates people into two groups, which is more of this tribalistic nonsense that I can't stand. But then you have people on the other side of the political spectrum, and they claim that, that, especially here in America, I can't speak for other countries. I cannot speak for other countries, but I've, I, I have read a decent bit of history. My wife majored in what is essentially history and education, social studies, but we talk history all the time. We talk history of culture. We talk history of wars. And when you look at the history of what has specifically happened to my fellow Americans who are black, uh, what's happened to their families, what's happened, uh, civil rights movement prior, slavery, 200 years, if not longer, of these things. And then maybe 60 years since the civil rights movement, which I have my own opinions on, on, on all of that. And to say that none of our institutions are built on some form of issues, especially if you go and you look into the way that the government has treated the black community uh, since the civil rights era let alone how most people of darker skin complexion in any capacity were treated in this country. It's hard to say that there is absolutely nothing institutional here. Now, does that mean you need to be a victim of it? I don't think so. That's just my opinion. But I've met plenty of people who grew up in much more unfortunate circumstances than the majority of people I've met, and never once, despite the color of their skin or background or how they were raised, they are typically the most grateful people and the least likely to identify as a victim. And I think there's something to be said in that. So again, those are two very big issues that don't have straightforward solutions. If we were going to combat, say, institutional racism in this country, how do you solve that? If climate change is as as big a threat as the president says, how do we solve this? Do you solve it by saying them good or them bad They must die because they are not believers. At that point, you're descending to cult-like levels of mentality. And all of your train of thought essentially just shuts off. You may as well not even try to come up with solutions. And when it comes to things like this, I think about this more with the right. They like to go to statistics. I, I, I I have respect for many intellectuals on both the left and the right side of the political spectrum. But people on the right that I know and I have an immense amount of respect for, they tend to go to For things like this, they tend to go to statistics, as if statistics tell a whole story, which they never do. Statistics never tell a whole story. That doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about statistics and data. Statistics and data are important. It's very hard to argue with numbers. But numbers, when acknowledged within circumstance, is very important. I'm totally a believer in objective truth. I believe that objective truth exists out there. I believe that there's right and wrong, there's a standard for it, and there's good and evil in the world. To give you some context here, I'm a Christian, and you may think my opinion and what I believe and think is totally stupid. You believe that some dude 2,000 years ago died, was dead for three days, rose again, and somehow saved humanity. Yeah, I do believe that. You think that's stupid? Great. I'm glad you're here. Let's talk about it. That's why I'm doing this podcast. If you think what I think as I am making a claim, a truth claim. And if you think my truth claim is stupid and you think my truth claim is a falsehood, a fallacy, it's a lie, 
It's a blatant lie at that. Then let's talk about it. Let's discuss it. Let's find the truth then. Let's talk about the truth. We're all searching for truth. This is why I reject subjective truth. I think it's a terrible idea. I believe there is subjectivity in issues, but I still believe that even in those issues, there is a truth. Disaster victims all suffered the same disaster. The outcome of what they suffered or how much they suffered during a disaster, despite a shared experience, is subjective. The objective reality is they all suffered in disaster. But this family lost a loved one. This person lost a limb. This person ended up in the hospital. This person walked away completely fine. All of that is objective. I think the, the idea that objective truth cannot possibly exist, it all exists somewhere. The truth exists somewhere. Whether or not you think the truth I am referring to is inaccurate or the truth that you have found is inaccurate, we can't both be right. I believe one of us is right, but I believe that we should talk about and try to figure out which one of us is right. That doesn't mean fight about it. That doesn't mean bicker. That doesn't mean argue. We need to find the truth. And I think that is the best way to live because this will allow people to become the best versions of themselves is this search for the truth. Because you can only find truth if you are improving, if you're searching, if you're growing in knowledge and all sorts of things. So that's a little bit of a tangent, but statistics and numbers don't tell a whole story, but statistics and numbers are important. You can't say numbers and are the only thing concerning reality, especially if we're talking about people. People aren't numbers. People experience things. People have emotions. People have, uh, have life. You want to talk about or the qualifications and the numbers and the, but you want to talk about theoretical physics. That's pure cold numbers. There is nothing subjective about it. It is impossible, almost impossible to be argued with. Equations have solutions. End of story. But with people, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Statistics and data and numbers are relevant. They don't tell the whole story on everything because people are not robots. They're not numbers. We're not anomalies. We're real feeling living things that think we have complex thoughts and emotions and all, all of that. So that's another thing with dichotomy. Reject that. Reject it. It's not two-sided. It isn't black, white. There's gray here. It's nuanced. There's more to it. And the only way we can figure out how to deal with a problem like that is to discuss it. Concerning things like that, again, these are my criticisms of two very uh, vastly polarized sides of the political spectrum. That doesn't mean anybody exists in the middle. I, I know groups in the middle, or at least try to be in the middle. The middle's kind of gotten very uh, murky in the past few years. Uh, that's come with some of the polarization. Uh, some people are put, being pushed even further to one side and even further to the other and vice versa, which is this, this middle, this little gray area that exists in the, po the socio-political cultural spectrum is started to evaporate. It's made it very hard for people to coexist because of how polarized we've all become, pointing fingers and yelling at each other and screaming about who is right and who is wrong and they're evil. Without ever trying to figure out, uh, well, I think you bad. I think me good. But maybe you not so bad. What you think problem is. And maybe we're mad at the same problem and we're not even talking about it. And if we're all mad at the same problem, why don't we try to come up with a solution for it? is something I've never understood. And I think this all really takes place because we as human beings love to be right. We love it. We relish in it. 
We'll scream it from the rooftops when we're right about something. You argue with your spouse or your friend or your significant other, and you were bickering with each other, and they come back to you three days later and willingly admit, oh yeah, you were right. Guarantee you want to scream that from the rooftops because that's human nature. But let me tell you, we hate to be wrong. I think we loathe it, in fact. It makes us feel so terrible. We want to get away from it as fast as possible because we don't want to admit we're wrong, despite the fact that when we're wrong, that's the only time a human being grows. And I think we need more people on the entire globe, in every facet of society and culture. We need people, not just people that know their right and know what it is they believe, and because they understand their ideas and their beliefs, they know when they're right about something. We need people that know how to admit and recognize when they're wrong. And here's a little interesting one. I think people need to start recognizing that they know enough about something to have an opinion on it, but they don't necessarily know if they're right and wrong. Because then somebody might come along who knows more about that thing than you do. And what most of us tend to do in this situation, I know I do, despite the fact that we don't know what we're talking about, we still want to have that argument because we still want to be right. And I've had conversations like this with people where I don't know more about the subject than they do, but I certainly have an opinion on it. We need people that know that they only know just enough to have an opinion on something, but may not, I don't know if I'm right. Uh, this person seems to know what, I don't know if I'm right. And you know what? It's okay to say, I don't know. You know why? Because you're human and you're never going to know everything. There are people that have walked this planet. If you are my age and listening to this, there are people that have walked this planet for longer than you have been alive. And I guarantee you, most of them wouldn't be able to tell you hardly any more than you could. And that's not everybody. People have experience. People age. Typically, they learn things with that age. Age and wisdom don't always come, and they are not always correlated. But people who know that they don't know everything, even walking face of the earth for 50 plus years and have these experiences, the smart ones at least, would be able to openly admit to you, hey, I can pass on this advice to you, but I still don't know everything. In fact, I don't know much of anything. At the most, many of us will only live, if we're lucky, a century, if that. If we even get there, we will we'll have known a fraction of what there is to experience in this life. So I think taking all that into consideration, it's a little bit okay to say that you don't know something. And I think this comes with, especially what I've seen with people who are authorities on a subject. There are people who are like, say, the authority on something. They know a lot about something. Maybe they went to school for it or they're known as an expert on it or they're the foremost expert on it. Uh, because they've talked to all of these people and they have all these degrees and all this paperwork and they've done these studies and they've written these research papers and yada, 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 yada. First off, you can be super educated and you can be still be a moron and you can be not formally educated and be a very intelligent individual. Those two don't necessarily correlate, but points aside. With the issue of knowing when we're right, admitting when we're wrong, maybe not necessarily knowing about a thing to know whether we're right or wrong. I think especially when it comes to people who know a lot about a thing, we like to pretend, and people who are experts like to pretend, they have no bias. Oh, I have no bias. I don't have an opinion on this thing. This is just what the data says. 
as if two pieces of data can't disagree with each other. But I don't like it when people pretend they have no bias. They have no bias. Oh, I couldn't possibly have an opinion on anything. I'm a human being who is terribly flawed, not a machine. Oh, but I don't, I don't have an opinion. My, my own personal beliefs and ideas could not possibly be affecting what I think about this thing. I hate that. That, that doesn't mean don't have opinions. That doesn't mean don't have bias. Just recognize that you have bias and try to put things together and examine the world in as objective a way as you are humanly capable. That's it. Don't pretend you don't have an opinion. We all have opinions. And sure, opinions can suck or opinions can be really good opinions. Oh yeah, you got a clever opinion. Oh, I never, never thought about it that way. Or, wow, that opinion is hot garbage. Go throw it in the dumpster and set it on fire. And I've encountered both. But that comes with rounding back to what I said at the beginning. It all comes down to knowing what you believe. We've gotten away from admitting that we have biases and opinions that we have learned from experience or understanding whether we're right and wrong. And all of these things have been pushed to the wayside because we've gotten so caught up in labeling people and putting them in boxes. And this is one of the biggest pet peeves I have on planet Earth. And this is a great way to wrap all of this up. Hypocrisy. I hate the word. I hate the label. And here's why. Alexander Pope said, to err is human. I've come up with a little saying since I graduated high school. And I've learned quite a bit about life since high school. I was not the brightest bulb on the Christmas tree. I've come up with a little bit of my own play on that saying. If to err is human, to be human is to also be a hypocrite. Because we're all flawed. And I think people tend to disregard what other people have to say to them because they examine the events of that person's life or their past or the mistakes they made, even if that person has made drastic changes and is immensely improved and a more productive member of society than even they might have thought they would ever be. I think about this a lot with people who have rehabilitated themselves from substance abuse. People who have abused substances typically can give really good advice to other people with substance abuse problems. Why? Because they've been through it. Who could give better advice? If I have a friend who is concerned about a loved one of his because he's worried that they are abusing a substance and he himself, a former user, and is rehabilitated, and he goes to that person and says, hey, I have been through this before, I implore you because I love you and I care about you. Don't do this. Logically, we would all think, oh yeah, that makes sense. But when it comes to other problems in our society, I gave an example that everybody can agree with. But when it comes to our society, the majority of us, if somebody was trying to give you de half decent advice based upon a life circumstance of something you've experienced, or somebody who knows a lot about a thing and is trying to tell you that you're wrong in a respectful adult manner, which most people aren't going to do anyway, but hypothetically speaking, and then you say to them, oh, well, you can't possibly be right, or I'm not going to listen to you because I know what you have done in the past. I know what you've done in your life. You've made these mistakes. Therefore, you have no right to give me advice on this issue. 
And that's the way most of us live, as if we've never made mistakes ourselves. Oh, I'm not going to take advice from that person because they've done X, Y, and Z in their past, and they're not living like that now, and they're not making the same mistakes right now, but because they did it then, that makes them a hypocrite. Therefore, I'm not going to listen to them. Well, I got news for you, sunshine. If that is the case, you may as well not listen to anyone about anything ever again. And on top of that, while you're at it, you should look at yourself in the mirror and stop thinking every thought you have ever thunk. Because everybody is a hypocrite by that measure and by that definition. And if every single one of us did that, human beings would never progress. We'd never grow. We'd never make any advances in society. And society would become stagnant. We might as well all crawl into a corner and die because nobody would ever live, period. So stop throwing this label around of, I'm not going to listen to you because you're hypocritical. We're all hypocritical. We're human. That's it. So the next time you're listening to something, you're listening to somebody tell you something you don't like, hear them out. Maybe their opinion is garbage. Maybe you don't like what it is they're saying. Hear them out. And on top of that, know what it is you believe. Don't just say you believe in a thing. Know why you believe it. I don't care if you're a, I don't care if you're a, a Buddhist, a Muslim, a Christian, you identify as a Democrat or a Republican or a conservative or a liberal or a socialist or a capitalist, whatever it is. You want to call yourself a thing. Understand what that thing is. And if you understand what that thing is and identify as it, you best damn well know what it is that that thing is. A lot of people, they like to throw around these words. They like to throw around these words without ever knowing the, de the proper definition of them. I have friends that are like, I love capitalism. Bro, what is, what, what is that? Do you, know, do you know what capitalism is? Do you know what it is as a system? Do you know what its definition is? Do you know what any of its, its thinkers or the intellectuals that champion the idea of capitalism are? Or I have friends that are like, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a socialist or I'm a, I'm a democratic socialist. Bro, what is that? What, what is that? Do you know what that is? Do you know what socialism is? Do you know what, do you know what it's defined as? Do you know what it actually stands for? The majority of people, they've just heard, oh, this is what socialism is. This is what it must stand for. Therefore, I, oh, I like what that person is saying. Therefore, I am that thing. But it applies to everything. Know what you believe and know why you believe it. And if everybody did that, I feel like we'd have different problems, but they'd be more nuanced. We'd have a lot less problems. We'd have different problems but we'd have a lot less problems. Because when you know what you believe and you start living like it, you'll be living a hell of a lot of a better life. On the whole, to wrap up, there is again another passage in the Bible, me being a Christian, and this isn't really, this is my own personal belief system. This is my own personal worldview. And if you think it's, it's stupid and it's awful and it's terrible, great. I'm glad you're here again. I'm glad you're here. Let's talk. Let's talk about it. If you think it's really that bad, then let's talk about it and tell me why I'm wrong. And I'd love to talk to you about it. But in closing and to wrap up, I go to, again, another passage in the book of Matthew. And Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew chapter 7, You'll recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased trees bear bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And while that was applying to the context of the first century as he's talking to his contemporary audience, and it applies to the li in, the, in, the life of, in the lives of Christians, and here in the church we talk about, oh, you'll know if somebody's a Christian by their fruits, and if they, they 
yield good fruits and, you know, they're serving in their community and they're helping people and they're praying diligently and they read their Bibles and they know their Bibles and they're all around just being a wholesome human being. Chances are you'll know that there's something different about them that isn't like everybody else. And that's the way that we're supposed to live. I believe that this has a much greater application, though, than just the Christian faith. And in the same regard, if you really want to identify as a decent human being, then live like it. If you believe that your belief systems and ideas are good and they make you a contribution to society, wouldn't you like people to simply know what you believe simply by the way you live? And I'm not at one of those people that just says, oh, just live it out and people will understand. You got to have some level of being able to discuss things. You always need to be able to talk. But sometimes talk becomes really old really quickly and it doesn't solve everything. And sometimes there's a time for action. Right now, I think there's a time for both. And we're sorely lacking in both. We have an abundance of piss poor decisions and piss poor words that take up empty space on our Facebooks, our Instagrams, on YouTube, on the news, in our text messages. So much empty space filled up with so much anger, emotion, rage, reaction, hatred. And how do we define these things anyway? So Jesus said to them, you'll know them by the fruits. People should be able to know how you live or what you believe based upon how you live. And if you believe that what you think and your ideas are bringing good things and contributions to society and culture as a whole, then go out there and live it. Talk about it, but live it as well. And I think that about wraps it up. So the House of Bricks podcast is about taking it apart brick by brick, tearing it all down, and putting it back together. And maybe you thought everything I said was great. Maybe every, you thought everything I said was not great. Maybe you think I'm a raging idiot. Or maybe you think I sound like a, an intellectual, but let me tell you, sunshine. Even if you thought I did a good job, I'm human just like you. I got opinions and ideas that you probably think are garbage and terrible and stupid. Great. I'm glad you're here and I want you to come back. This is why I'm doing this. Let's talk, because that's what I want to do. I want people to talk. I want to talk. I want to understand this crazy maw of chaos that we all live in. I want to try to understand it. And it might be impossible, and I don't care. I'm glad you're here with me. Thanks for being here this evening, or daytime, or whatever it is you are at whatever time it is thank you for being here with me to take it all apart examine it and put it back together this has been the house of bricks podcast my name is aaron brickhouse and i'll see you again next time has been a Brickhouse production. Thank you for listening.